All right, you guys can be turning uh, in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, where we'll be continuing our series, like Matt said, uh, knowing our Savior, Jesus Christ. So last week, like Matt also said, uh, we, we learned about Christ as a teacher, and now he is the best teacher ever because he is God and he is perfect and, and he knows our hearts. And, and when you know what somebody's thinking, it's, it's pretty easy to teach them. I've never been able to do that because I'm not Jesus, but it must have been pretty great. Um, tonight, we're going to look at uh, one of the ways Jesus taught, which was in parables. And a parable, if you, if you don't know, is just a, a simple story used to give an illustration on a spiritual topic. Um, hopefully, throughout tonight's study, you'll be able to understand that a little better. Um, but one thing to know about parables is that often when Jesus used them in Scripture, the spiritual meaning of them would be unclear, and the people that heard them would have to come to Jesus and ask him um, what the parable meant. Um, but only those who, who asked the meaning and were there for the explanation got the understanding. Uh, Mark 4.34 says, But without a parable spake he not unto them, and when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. So Christ started teaching in, in parables in Mark 4, and, and he, he went on and continued to do that. And then, then when him and the disciples were alone, he'd, he'd give explanation to them. Why do you think um, Jesus began teaching in par- parables? Well, we see in, in um, Mark chapter 3 that it's because of the Pharisees' pride. The people, the religious so-called people of the day, um, did not respond very well to, to Jesus at all. And um, in, in chapter 3, they accused Jesus of having a devil. They, they, they said he cast, he cast out um, devils by, because he has a devil, which doesn't make sense, and, and Jesus showed them their contradiction. But from then on, uh, Jesus taught in parables when he, was in a mo- when he was in a crowd. And ironically enough, one of the first parables that Jesus taught was on uh, res- different responses to the Word of God. So um, we're going to see that, that throughout, so I'm not going to get into too, too, too much detail. But hopefully tonight uh, you will be able to, to just think on and consider what your response is to the Word of God when you, when you hear it, and, and so that you don't become blinded like the Pharisees um, when the truth of the Word is presented unto you. So that's my intro. Let's, let's read um, in Mark 4, verse 1 through 20. It's a lot of verses, so try to stay along. And he began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell on the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty and some sixty and some an hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. That seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand. Lest at any time they should be converted, and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know all parables? The sower soweth the word. 
And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the words that, that was sown in their heart. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves. And so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things, entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. Verse 20, And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some an hundred. Let's pray and ask God to reveal to us what he would like. God, I, I thank you for this day, and and just for this evening and this opportunity that, that Matt's provided to, to study your word and to, to just gain a little bit of understanding and, and hopefully um, share that with the well and, and what you've been teaching me. Um, I pray that you would uh, speak through me, that you would get me out of the way and that I wouldn't be a distraction, but that, that your word would go forth and that we would just consider today what our response is right now and what our response should be. Um, God, I, I love you and um, I praise you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So before we get into the points, um, verse 1 through 8 uh, gives us the actual parable, but our, our, our main time tonight is going to focus on verses 14 through 20, which is Jesus' explanation of the parable. Um, and, and it's key to draw attention to, to what is actually being sown in, in, in the, the, the scripture. And we, we see in the parable how uh, there's, there's seed sown in, in the wayside, the stony ground, the thorny ground, and the good ground. But what is that that, that is being sown? And verse 14 um, explicitly states it, and it says, the sower soweth the word. So the word is being sown. So with that in mind, let's jump right into point one, which is a prideful heart. Prideful, should be your blank, or proud. means the same thing. So I'm going to read verse 15 again. It says, And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan, immediately, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their heart. What exactly is the wayside? That's a question that I had because stony ground, thorny ground, um, good ground, it's, it seems pretty obvious. But the wayside was something that I was a little unsure of. So I looked it up, and the wayside was just like a, a, a heavily traveled on path in those days. It would be like a road today. So I, I would imagine a, a, a dirt road, heavily packed, very dusty and if you try to, to throw some seed on it, nothing's going to happen. It's not going to penetrate the earth, um, and, and no fruit or no, nothing's going to grow in it because, like, like we see in our, our passage, the fowls of the air would just come and, and pick it out. Um, this parable um, represents a proud heart because um, in, in Matthew, uh, which is a, a parallel passage, it says this, this group hears, but they don't understand. Why don't they understand? Um, I thought it was interesting to note that, that in Mark 4, 1, we start off, and it says, And there was gathered unto him a great multitude. So we have this great number of people, so much so that it says Jesus had to enter into a ship. So there's tons of people probably looking for miracles, hearing that, that Jesus is this miracle worker and this, this great teacher. Um, but he gives a parable, and then notice how many are left in verse 10, which says, And when he was alone... They that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. This sounds to me like a great reduction of number. We, we start off with this, this huge, great multitude, 
and then it says when he was alone. So there's 12 at least, and then it says there are, there are a few about him with the 12. But um, I would imagine that, that they, that okay, so only the, on, only the ones who stuck around to hear and ask of him the, the parable got the explanation. They, the, those are the ones that got the understanding. Imagine all the other people who, who hear the word and hear what Jesus has to say, and, and they probably went home disappointed because they hear about this great teacher, this miracle worker, and he's teaching them about gardening. And, and I don't know about you, but you learn about gardening from a pretty young age, so I would imagine they were probably disappointed because they're like, well, this guy should probably just stick with carpentry um, because he's given pretty, sim- pretty simple stuff. <laughs> the point is, though, is that it takes humility to ask someone to clarify. Um, an example in my life is um, when I'm being explained something in construction. Um, I'm not great with terminology, so my dad or my brother or somebody else will, will be telling me something, and they'll use these words about this machine, and I got no idea what it, what it is. And so it's just going over my head, and I have to like, like slow down, like, well, what are you talking about? And, and it's humbling, but I know that if I ask now, it'll be easier later. So um, when you think you know it all, or we think you're like, all right, I'll figure it out, that's when you get into trouble. And, and James 1.5 says that, and it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God to give it to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. You lack wisdom, what do you do to get it? You ask God. Um, one bizarre example of pride that I found in, in the Bible is King Agrippa in Acts 26.28. So in this, in this example, Paul is um, giving his defense. He, he, I think he was imprisoned. And he's given his defense between King Agrippa and, and Festus, who was another a ruler in that time. And King Agrippa, um, Paul's explaining all this and how, how God changed his life. And, and, he, and he says, King Agrippa, like, I know that thou believest this. Like, do, do you believe this? And he says, almost. He says, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And that, that to me is, like, bizarre. Like, almost? Like, what, what, what did you miss? Was there something that you didn't understand? Do you have any questions? No, it doesn't go on to say that. It just says almost. So it just shows that, that in pride, we're not going to respond accord, according to the way that, that God wants us to respond. To become a Christian, you have to humble yourself and, and ask Jesus to forgive your sins. Um, but Hosea 10.12 says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. A prideful heart needs humbled, just like hard ground needs tilled. That's what the fallow ground is. It's, it's like a ground that has been tilled and is um, waiting for, it's like, a, it's like a rotation. I don't know a lot about farming, but, but you plant, plant one thing and, and like you say you plant beans. I don't know why you plant beans. I don't like beans. <laughs> but you plant beans in one field, and the next year you'll rotate it to a different field. You don't want to plant beans in that same field that year. So a fallow ground is just, a field that has been towed, tilled, a, feed, a field that has been tilled and, is, uh, and it is not being used at the moment. So the, Hosea says, sow yourselves in righteousness and, and to break up the fallow ground. So my point is, is you, uh, you got to humble yourself just like you have to till up that hard ground to receive seed. Um, so we've seen that we need to, to respond in humility. Uh, let's look at point two, which is an offended spirit. Reading six, verse 16 and 17 again. 
It says, And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. So I, I don't know if you guys can relate, but I'm sure you've at least seen somebody who, who hears the word and maybe it's the first time or maybe it's just they've been going for a while and it's this great message and, and they receive it joyfully. They're all excited. They're, they're pumped up and ready to go. And then like a week later, they, they're, they're doing the same stuff. And, and in my life, I can see it because we hear something and, and we're like convicted and then we sing our last song and we go and say hi to everybody else and then we go out and we forget what we learned. This is, this is that group. This is the group that they receive with, with joy and they're probably all in for the moment but, letter A, they have no root in the word. Psalms 1, verse 1 through 4, says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And then this is the key. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And then contrast that with the ungodly. It says the ungodly are not so, but th- they are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. So without, without root, A, we won't bear fruit. The rhymes. But also, um, you'll be like the chaff which the wind driveth away. So this, this, these trials come, and next thing you know, you're gone, which is um, letter B, um, is that you flee when trials come. After we are saved, we are not promised an easy ride. It's actually quite the opposite. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yea, and all that will live godly shall suffer persecution. We are promised persecution if we live a godly lifestyle. And you may ask why that is. And that's just because, A, if we're living godly, the world and Satan don't like it. So they're going to throw stuff our way that, that will try to trip us up. And then, B... If, if everything's going right for us, how do we know if we're really all in? And, and God, God might want might to test us to see um, if, if we're, we truly mean what we say. And like Job, um, people, or Satan anyways, um, said that, that Job, he was just in it for, for the riches. He, he, was, he was just obeying God and, and, and faithful because he had a nice family, he had a bunch of money, um, but, and he had good health, and when that was taken away, Job still remained faithful. Amen. Do you think you could say that yourself? Are you rooted enough in God's word that, that no matter what happens, you're, you're in it for the, the long ride? Psalms 119, 119, 165 says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. So if you truly love God's word, nothing is going to be able to offend you. So we've seen two groups of people, a group of people that is too prideful and a group of people that is uh, offended easily. Let's look at now um, a, a choked ministry. Verses 18 and 19. Um, and these are they which are sown among them, such as hear the word. Nope, sorry. 18. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things, entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. 
So there are three examples of thorns or weeds that, that choke out the word that we see here. And, and the first one is the cares of this world. And I think that's a blank. So you can fill that in. Disclaimer for this one, there are necessary cares of this world. If you have a family, which most of you don't, but you got to care for them. (laughs) Um, You need clothing, you need food, you need shelter. So those are important, but at what cost? If, If you're investing all of your time, your treasures, your talents into worldly cares, and you're not giving any time for God, then, then you should consider whether um, you're putting maybe too high a priority on, on those things. Um, that's between you and God, though. Uh, Matthew six thirty three and 34 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, which these things uh, in here are, are talking about um, food, clothing, like we, we just mentioned. It says, All these things shall be added unto you. And then it says, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So if, we, if, we're, if we're all about what God's all about, then he's going to be all about what we're all about, I guess. But anyways, um, letter B, deceitfulness of riches. That's the second thing that can choke the word. Being rich and having money is not a bad thing, but when you start to love your money and love your riches and love your wealth, that's when you get where you get into trouble. First Timothy 6, 9, and 10 says, But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So here it's a common verse we see, but the, the love of money is the root of all evil. And then Proverbs 23, 5 says, Would thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. And a song, uh, this reminded me of a song. Um, I don't remember where it's from, but my dad explained to me once. And it says something about you can't, um, uh, you never see a hearse with a trailer hitch. And I didn't know what a hearse that was at the time, but I, I guess it's something that, that carries people who have passed away to the grave maybe. And you never see one of those carrying all their stuff behind them because they can't take it with them. And that's just something that I thought of when I, I read this because they'll fly away as an eagle, it says. So letter C, we've seen the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of the world can choke out the word. Let's look at the lust of other things. Lust is your blank. First John two fifteen to 17, a couple of my favorite verses. It says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The thing about gardening is that you have to pull weeds. And this was like a punishment when I was a kid. And I hated it because no matter how many weeds you pull, there's always a few more. And so as long as you have a garden, there will be weeds. As long as you're, you're alive, there will be things trying to choke the word in your life. But the key is we have to get the root of the weed. If we don't get the root, then it's just going to come right back up, um, probably stronger than it was. And likewise, if, if we in our lives purge something that, that we think is necessary to get rid of, um, 
if we don't replace it with something different that, that's better, then, then it's just going to come back. Um, one thing in my life has been time management, and time management is very tough um, for me. And, and so I've often taken um, proactive, I think is the word, proactive measures to, to get rid of something, whether it's like a social media or, or ESPN for me or, or whatnot. And so I'll, I'll, I'll just get rid of it completely, and then it lasts for maybe a week, maybe two. But next thing you know, like, all right, I, I, I make an excuse for it. I'll, I'll like, all right, I got I to gotta check the scores today. So I'll check it, and then, then a bunch of time is wasted, and it's like, well, there goes that. Um, so pulling thorns hurts and is neither easy nor fun. Um, relating this, again, to the Christian life, um, an excerpt that, that I thought was cool from Pastor Mark's 52 Weeks of Pursuit. Um, it's a, a devotional um, the going through the, the, the Bible that he, he put out this year. And the this, this cycle that he, he explained was, it was about Israel and how they were committed, and then they got complacent, and then they went corrupted, and then I added this because I thought it was cool, but then they're convicted again. So how it goes is as we hear a good message or we're convicted about something and, and we, we get committed, we're like, all right, I'm all in. This is, this is for real this time. I'm going to get rid of this sin or, or, or start doing this. And, and it lasts for a week, a couple weeks, like, like I was mentioning. But then you get complacent and you're like, all right, today I don't need to get up when my alarm goes. I, I'll hit the snooze button a couple of times. And, and so you don't read the word as much. And then, and then the next thing you know is you, you get into corruption where, where you're not reading at all or, or maybe that sin has creeped back into your life. And then to complete the cycle, you get convicted again by something that you, you heard again. You're like, oh yeah, I remember that, that I had, had I got rid of this and so I'll, I'll try to do that again. And so then you get committed. And they can just be a circle that, that never ends. And then eventually... I found in, in myself that um, you just get discouraged because you're like, why even, why even try? Because I know that in, in a week, I'll just be back here in corruption um, doing what I had known not to do. So um, in Israel, a verse that I thought was, was right on with this was Psalms 106, 12 through 14. It says, then, they, then believe they his words, they sang his praise. So they're committed, they're all in. And then they soon forgot his works and waited not for his counsel. So they forgot and they waited not. They're, they're getting complacent. And then 14 is a kicker and it says, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. They're corrupted again. And this is a cycle that as you read through the Old Testament, it just goes on and on. And if you're, if you're careful and you look at your own life, um, it, you, can, you might be able to see it somewhere as well. So the key is to daily um, put on the armor of God um, Romans thirteen fourteen says, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. So putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, you can't just do that once a week. You can't do it twice a week or whatever. It's got to be every day. Otherwise, you're going to slip up. Okay, so we, we've seen three Debbie Downers. We've seen three unfruitful um, soils. Let's look at the fourth one, which is the only profitable, and the last one, which is a fruitful life. Verse 20 says, And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixtyfold, and some an hundred. 
So there are three necessary keys to this soil, and each one you need to bear fruit. Um, first off, they hear the word, and and but that's not enough because we see we saw in verse fifteen and and sixteen and eighteen and twenty that that each soil each one of them heard the word. So first off, are you hearing the word? You're here, so hopefully you're hearing the word. You're you're receiving um, what God has for you. But then, are are you hearing the word at home? Are you are you in the word and um, but hearing the word, like I said, is not enough. You must also receive the word. You must receive it for your own, get some root in your life. But again, that's not enough because in verse 16, it says that the stony ground immediately received the word with gladness. So they, were, they received the word. That, that's what it says at least. Um, and verse 20 says that well, as well. But the, the key difference between all of these is that the, the good ground is the only one that is profitable. It's the only one that bears fruit. Um, John 15, 4 and 5, this explains how, how you can be fruitful. And it says, Abide in me, which is Christ, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide on the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. So this is talking about like a branch connected to a vine. So in this instance, to make it maybe a little more clear, I'll liken it to a tree. So you have a tree, and it can only, the, the branches will only bear fruit if they're connected to the tree. Once you cut off those branches, they're just on the ground. They're, they're good for, for fire, and, and that's about it. So to be fruitful, we've got to be connected to the tree, which is Christ. Um, Psalm 92, 13 through 15 says, The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God and then they shall bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. So we see numerous times throughout the Bible, and we've seen a couple times a day, that we've got to be planted. We've got to be rooted in the house of the Lord. We've got to be planted in, in the word of God, in, in the, the waters. Um, and then one also thing to note in this, this verse is that, that there are different, different quantities of fruit. Some 30, some 60, some 100. And, and I just thought this was interesting because... Um, you can see different fruit on like an apple tree. Um, you don't see different fruit. You do see, see different quantities. Hopefully apple trees produce apples. But um, there's different numbers. So in one apple tree you might have, it might be a young one and then it might only produce five or six or seven apples. And then on a, on a well-matured apple tree there might be fruit all over. Um, likewise, in, in our circumstances, if we're a young believer, we might only be bearing a little fruit if we're faithful. And on m- more mature believers, they'll maybe produce a bunch. But the key is, is that they're faithful, and uh, the willing heart is, is the key, and not, not the number. Um, because circumstances, the gifts that God's provided you, um, the time you have on this earth, will, will lead to, to different amounts of fruit. Matthew twelve thirty three says, Either make the tree good, and its fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt, and its fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. So we as Christians, we're known by the fruit that we provide. Uh, that we, we either, it can be either leading somebody to the Lord or just encouraging another believer. Um, because that, that's just like sowing seed. Um, so we could be the sower in this example as well. 
which means that we shouldn't get discouraged when, when we're sowing and, and maybe somebody's not taking it the right way, they're responding pride, they don't want to hear it, or, or they seem at the moment to, to receive it and they're, they're all excited, but they get burned out quickly, or maybe they're just consumed with, with the, the cares of this world. We shouldn't get discouraged by that. We should just, A, encourage them, B, also just keep being faithful to sow the word because um, God, God is faithful and, and um, there's verses, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but that say that, that your labor is not in vain. Um, so that, that's very important. So in closing, we've seen three different um, unfruitful responses to the word of God that are, are all too common today. We live in the time of, of Laodicea, as, it, as it's called, and, and um, Christians are living for themselves, or, or, or maybe they're not Christians at all. But we've seen three instances, but there is hope because there, there was one soil that, that did produce fruit. And if we contrast the, the good soil from the others and just do the opposites, the good soil is, is a response to God that's in humility, it's, it's unashamedness, it's, um, and then it's loving and pursuing to know God and obey the word of God more than anything else in the world. So just taking that from opposites of, of what we saw in, in the, the three unfruitful um, areas. So this will lead to a fruitful life. Um, and then a couple more verses I want to read are Jeremiah 17, 7 through 10. You can turn there if you would like. If not, should be on the screen. Verse 7 says, Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, again we see planted, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought. Neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Then it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins even to give every man according to, his do, according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. So verse 9 says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That's in the natural state. That's, we're born like that. And, and the only, only way to, to have a clean heart is, is to accept Christ as our Savior. So maybe tonight you're like, all right, you, I don't know what you're talking about, but you, maybe you can relate to King Agrippa and, and the king that said like almost... Almost, I, I would like to be a Christian, but, but you haven't gone all in. And, and I would just encourage you today to just consider what's holding you back because um, at the end of your life, you're going to wish you had for sure. Um, and then if you are a Christian, um, I would just want to encourage you to, to be fruitful and to die to yourselves every day. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is in a reasonable service. It says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We're not to be conformed to this world. We're to be transformed by renewing our mind. And we do that by getting the word every day, by, by taking heed and taking root in, in what we're learning. Um, so maybe today you're in a cycle that leads to dis- discontentment that, that I mentioned. And maybe you need some accountability. Maybe you need somebody that, to, to encourage you to stay committed. To, when you start to get complacent, they're like, hey, like, have you been doing this? Have you been reading? Have you, um, have you been doing with this sin that, that gets you back committed again? Like, oh yeah, but before you get all the way to corruption, because that's, that's the last place we want to be. Um, whatever the case is, remember that we are known by our fruit. So if we are not producing, 
then there's likely an issue that we need to, to consider, like what is the issue? Why are we not producing fruit? So two questions. Um, I always enjoy when people ask questions at the end, so I'm going to. Um, it says, um, what are my questions? What soil, <laughs> I was reading it. What soil do you find yourself in today? The thorny ground, the, the stony ground, the, uh, the good ground, maybe that's one, or, or the wayside. Um, if you are on the good ground, great, praise the Lord. Continue on. First um, Corinthians fifteen fifty eight says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abound in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Um, or, or second, maybe, if you, maybe you are in one of the three unfruitful soils. What's it going to take to get you to where you're in the good soil, to where you're bearing fruit? That's all I have. Um, so I'm going to pray. Thanks, guys, for listening. Um, and then we can worship. God, I thank you um, for just this day and, and, again, this opportunity to, to, to say what I've learned. God, I pray that we would each just consider where we're at tonight and, and, um, and just consider what it's going to take for us to get to that good soil. What, what's keeping us from, from bearing fruit? Is it pride? Is it, is it the cares of this world? Is it just um, fear or, or taking offense to something? Um, I pray that we would we would just consider that in our hearts and that we would walk out um, changed and that each day as we read your word that we would um, that we would take root in it that we would that we would accept what you you've taught us and, and apply it and not just um, be like the stony ground that, that receives it joyfully but does nothing about it God it's it's all too common today and and it's easy to see in different examples in our own lives and um, I pray that you would just um, just convict us God and that we would um, obey you and, and, and walk faithfully. Um, again, I thank you and I love you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.